Welcome back to the Homeschool Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Bex Buzzy. And today we have Robert Bortens, CEO of Classical Conversations, a job that Robert was actually born to do, literally. Lee Bortens, his mom, was dissatisfied with the education options she had found as a new mom and decided to homeschool her four sons and then decided to develop her own curriculum. And Robert, her oldest, was her first pupil. Robert has a BS degree in industrial engineering from Clemens University. After graduating, he worked as a management trainee for UPS and as a plant engineer for Easy Gardener and Job's company. In 2011, he returned back to the family business, Classical Conversations, to develop a marketing program. He was then appointed CEO to the family-owned company in 2012. In the years since Robert Borton's become CEO of Classical Conversations, the company has grown by 300% and has become the world's largest classical homeschooling organization. Robert is a member of the board of directors of Homeschool Now USA, the Carolinas Rugby Union, and Clemens University Rugby Foundation Board. He is also a member of C12 Group, the largest professional development network of Christian CEOs and executives. Under Robert's leadership, Classical Conversations has been named a certified best Christian workplace by BCWI for four years in a row. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Robert how he talks about you don't have to be trained as an educator to teach your children and that sometimes that training can be a hindrance because then you have to do a lot of unlearning. We also talk about how parents, when they say they can't be around their children, it's just a sign of a deeper issue that sometimes parents don't want to address and we talk about how education is to prepare you to engage in life with those around you so go grab your coffee go grab your tea and a pen and paper because you're not going to want to miss what robert has to say let's get into the podcast every thursday i have teacher talk thursdays where I talk about practical things to help you save money on curriculum and create units yourself easy and quickly with things that you already have. Also, I will be holding a lesson planning masterclass on October 15th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The first 100 people will get it for $25 along with two one-week science lessons after the masterclass. Register below and I will see you on October 15th. Robert, say hello to our listeners and tell us what is one misconception you believe the general public has about homeschooling because they just might not know the depths and opportunities that lie within this type of education. Yeah, thanks for having me on and excited to be here. I think one of the misconceptions besides what about socialization 
is can I really homeschool? Like, do I as a parent have the tools to do that? And I think they don't know that there are so many resources out there designed for homeschoolers. Or So if you're not a scientist, uh, that you can still successfully teach science or, uh, you know, these harder subjects that you might say, I don't remember that class. And I always just encourage parents that, hey, if you don't remember that class, why would you send your student to spend a whole semester learning something that you don't remember? Um, you know, that sounds like insanity to me. Um, instead, you know, come to homeschoolers. Uh, homeschoolers have uh, support groups. We have curriculum design for uh, the homeschooling parent. And uh, we've got uh, all sorts of resources. So you don't have to uh, be an expert or have an education degree. Um, sometimes we think having an education degree might actually hinder you from being at homeschool successfully. That, Like in Star Wars, where they say you have to unlearn what you have learned. Um, that uh, homeschooling is uh, not bringing public school home, but uh, really a way of life where you are uh, encouraging the student to uh, fulfill their uh, you know, God-given talents and uh, their place on this planet as a good citizen and someone who will love their neighbor well. I've even heard of people say that you should take your, when you do take your kid out of uh, public school, to spend six months with them just unlearning everything that the school has put in you and to get to know your family and get to know your child better and build that relationship and when i heard that for the first time i was like whoa you know are we gonna you know push them back but the truth is you we don't push them back because what those eight hours do in public school is not always full of education probably three hours of that is education we have five hours of other stuff so i it's it probably is never going to take away from your child's education to get to know them and spend that time with them and with that saying you know you're doing an amazing job your mom built this and you're taking on the legacy of it and you are the brand now of classical conversations and it's been just watching how the website and how everything has just been growing and developing it's really awesome and you know most parents don't want their kids to follow because of the jobs that they had the job that mm -hmm. they have but um you know you're you're there with your family and you're in the you're in the brush with them so like what made you realize that you wanted to be part of this journey in cause yeah, I really enjoyed being homeschooled. I think, you know, it's always breaks my heart when parents say, you know, I couldn't ever be around my children. And you just know that there's a relationship issue there uh, that they're not willing to address. And uh, like you said, just spending time getting to know each other. Like if you don't want to be around your kid, that's because you didn't raise them in a way that you would want to be around them. Um, and you haven't put in those uh, disciplines and practices. So that's why a lot of educators and I you know I wouldn't disagree with them that the best thing you can do if you do pull your kid out is just build that relationship and you know when you go to the grocery store you can uh you know educate them there you know teaching them how to you know look at discounts and all sorts of things so education really is preparing you to engage in life and with those around you and uh, just being together can do that uh for me uh being homeschooled allowed me to pursue some passions of mine, uh, playing uh, basketball and uh, growing up as well as I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So I worked for an engineering company uh, in high school when I was 16 years old, 
And during the summer, I was able to work full time. And during the school year, I was actually able to work a full day a week. And um, just that flexibility and the ability to really just see what I was passionate about and go learn it and not be constrained by the world around me uh, gave me a passion for homeschooling. Uh, Classical Conversations really didn't become a real organization uh, until I was in college. So we had maybe three or four groups uh, when I graduated from high school. And as uh, Classical Conversations grew, I continued to graduate with an industrial engineering degree and then work my way up the corporate ladder and uh, making widgets faster as an industrial engineer or more efficiently or, or with more, um, uh, just, just better, uh, was rewarding, but it wasn't uh, eternal reward. And I know that if my family could homeschool, that your family could homeschool. And I felt like I had a good testimony at that point that I could say, hey, you can homeschool. Uh, you don't need an education degree. Your kid can go to college if that's the career path they're on. They can get a job. They can get promoted. Um, so if we can do it, you can do it too. And at that point, Classical Conversations was growing, and uh, my parents were looking to uh, just expand the staff that was uh, supporting this growth. And I was able to jump in there with them at that time uh, in 2012. So, and I uh, really just spent a year with my mom, uh, just kind of learning the business from her. And uh, she still deals with the acad academic side of classical conversations, but I've been really focused on uh, scaling our supporting side so that we can make sure that homeschooling parents are um, able to get the curriculum they need when they need it and uh, in the most effective and efficient way. So it's just been uh, a pleasure to do so. And we've grown from about 50,000 students when I joined. Uh, this fall, we think we'll have about 140,000 uh, around the world. So the Lord's just really blessed it. And I think that uh, it's just amazing to hear from these families and the blessings of classical conversations, uh, because we're just humble servants uh, trying to do our best to be obedient uh, day in and day out. Wow, that's an amazing testimony. 50,000 to 140, it's almost like tripling the number that's crazy. <laughs> I hope that you, we can get it to a million, honestly, because this type of, you know, education style, homeschooling education, I really do believe that it is by far more superior than traditional school. And I'm a traditional school teacher, like I still teach in the public school system. I'm super clear that the opportunities that lie in mm homeschooling are by far more superior. I know, I think years back, I wanted to open up my own school. So that way my high school students can actually get some real world experience, not actually still realizing that there is homeschooling. I honestly, it never even crossed my mind. And I think that's why right now I've become such an advocate for it because you can do that right now. You don't have to create this huge school. You can actually partner with other um, like companies like you and programs and you know just other families and you can do that. It's already in the works. So like why re reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah, I mean, my wife was a public school teacher for I think eight years, maybe nine years uh, in South Carolina before we got married. So, I mean, she, she comes... Uh, from that system. And, uh, you know, if you ever talk to 
you know, anyone, they say, you know, we need smaller class sizes. Well, would a, like a one-to-one class size be ideal? Yeah, that would be great. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, that's what you get with homeschooling. Of course, if it's, you know, one to however many siblings you have, um, but it's uh, an opportunity to, you know, pursue, uh, you know, your ambition, your passions in life and not have to necessarily um, be restricted by a clock on the wall or a bell. Um, which are uh, not really real life situations or even a room right like or just the ability not to have not to be able to go and do internships like you did you were able to yeah. go and work and do um, real field life work at a young age and how exciting is that for you know young men and women to go out into the force and actually put to work those things that they've learned that is that's fantastic and i know that even through homeschooling they're able to get college credits and um so with with that i want to talk more about classical education and how your uh program and everything because you are really extensive as i was looking more and more into it that you you guys cover a lot and even one of your reviews said that classical conversations is a one-stop shop you know and that's that's awesome can you talk a little bit more about like just like your program and and what it actually entails of it yes so you know a lot of times people hear classical education and they think latin or reading you know really old books and and that is part of it but really a classical education is a way of teaching a person to be free and so we look at the tools of learning and we look at each subject as a way of practicing those tools of learning. And so those are divided into grammar stage, dialectic stage, and rhetoric stage. And anything you learn uh, goes through these stages. And I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts about music and about how music is really helpful for children and making it so that they learn, you know, especially if you're in poverty, you know, they have higher academic skills. And that's because music is one of the things that you have to teach classically. You have to start with how do I hold my fingers? You know, what are the notes? Uh, those are, that's gr the grammar of music. And then the dialectic of music is how do these uh, notes come together? You know, how does that flow together? And then the rhetorical stage of music would be either teaching someone else or putting on a concert. And so um, those three stages of learning um, each have different tools, have different um, ways that, uh, the brain learns and uh, it really pairs well with the growth stages of children. So when they're young, you go uh, the grammar stage. So they're learning um, like history sentences. They're learning the periodic table. Um, they're learning uh, the multiplication tables through 15. They don't necessarily know what it means, but they have a great uh, brain for absorbing information. And so when they get into more of the middle school and they go to the dialectic stage, they already have a wealth of information that they now have references to. Um, and they can start tying that information together and saying, oh, if uh, this happens, now we know why that might happen over there. So um, it's, a, and then finally, like I said, the rhetorical stage is when they're able to express it. And, you know, we do things like uh, mock trial and uh, debate and uh, different, uh, ways for children to and students to practice their oral presentations and become uh, excellent public speakers. So it's really it, creating an educational environment where the student can take on anything life throws at them 
and they have the tools to know, okay, you know, I don't know how to approach this, um, but I, I don't know the answer to this, but I know how to approach it. I know how to, um, what I need to do, where I need to start. And with jobs changing all the time, technology changing all the time, those who can learn uh, these new things faster are going to be be ahead of their peers. And so it's really a way of teaching students to love learning and giving them tools to, um, to learn uh, for the rest of their lives. As you were talking, I even started thinking about critical thinking skills and inference, which are two things that I know I teach physics and biology, and I really try hard to teach those things, like how to infer. But as you were talking, it sounds that your program actually teaches inference. If one thing happens, then this has to happen. It's almost like that Sherlock Holmes thing. So like they, the, he, sees a, he sees something and he just knows, well, if that's there, then this must have happened. And that's a very powerful skill to know where you don't have to learn maybe a subject, but you know how to infer things. It also makes me think of um, my husband's uh, former boss. Um, he is now the CEO of Pixter Photo Booth, uh, McLean Harvey. And I had interviewed him and he was talking to me about how he, when he did homeschooling, he homeschooled all his life and he only did classical. He didn't, he didn't do anything else. He graduated high school, completely a classical education. Didn't take science, didn't take math, didn't take any of that stuff. And he traveled the world with his parents. Um, when he went to college, he's, he's a businessman. He went to college and he tested out of math because mm. he understood logic. He understood, he knew how to learn, he said. He goes, and he was able to infer things so that way it wasn't this, he wasn't taken off guard. He knew how to think. And that's a really powerful tool. When I started to think about what you were saying, you know, how important is it for us to teach the future generation those skills which are not really taught? Because if you think about the public school system, what do we do? We say, okay, follow my rules, write down what I say. You know, there's no opportunity for them to be able to, to think, think outside the box. And when they do, it's like, nope, that's wrong. No, wrong. When you have 30 kids in a class, you don't really want them thinking out of a box because then you're going to get a lot of disruption. So I think that's, you know, part of the, the system itself is inherently flawed. And, you know, there's I think there was an old movie uh, came out maybe early 2000s called Waiting on Superman and just how like you need these Superman teachers, but you don't need just one of them. You need hundreds of thousands, if not millions of them because of the inherent flaws in our uh, government system. Or is it so, a really t- great ruse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tip of my hat to all the teachers out there. So a lot of times when you talk about homeschooling, people are like, do you not like teachers? Like my wife's a teacher. Obviously, all these <laughs> homeschool moms that uh, we help, um, a lot of them have teachers' backgrounds and they're teaching their kids now. So uh, we love teachers, um, but we want to make their job easier. And uh, when you have um, students that you love and you're using a system of education uh, that goes along with brain development and has thousands of years of history of, of working well, um, you know, we need to go back to that. And so, yeah, we teach science, we teach math, we teach Latin, we teach geography, we teach history. Um, you know, we go through all the subjects and approach it from a classical methodology. 
That is really powerful. Wow. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, think every time I talk to another person in this education system, I'm always thinking, man, what I could have done, what I could have been, you know, <laughs> I, I always think that because it's, it's just, it's so exciting and it really invigorates me now. Um, and I'm really thankful that I found this community. I'll be honest, I'm not even like fully like in, involved. I mean, like I, I'm out there and I'm doing my best to learn more about it. But in this really short time, I've become so inspired. And even in my own class now, I, I know that I started my classes different this year and I started with a different mindset and I really think my students, one of my students already said, I'm really looking forward to this year. I think it's going to be different. And I'm thinking it is, but you just don't know how. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's great. So that's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, there was something on your website that really touched my heart and I wanted to just find out more about it. I love how you intertwined um, work and worship by introducing to us that Hebrew word avodah. And the other mean, I looked it up because I was just like so impacted by that word. And I saw that it also means service. So it's work, worship and service. How powerful is that? Because a lot of times we don't look at service and work as a worship, although the Lord says work unto the Lord, right? Do all your work as unto the Lord, which is a type of worship because everything we do if we're doing it for him we are doing it as in worship so how did you come across the meaning i mean i'm, I'm gonna think you probably were doing a devotional or something but i do devotionals and i didn't pop up that that word <laughs> yeah so there's a work is worship uh movement going on and there's a, a organization called the c12 group that really introduced me to that idea of avodah and um, it's just something that just makes a lot of sense to me, but it's something that we've lost, I think, uh, here in the United States that, um, you know, really as uh, believers, as Christians, that everything we do ought to be unto the Lord. And we're not just, you know, the hypocritical Christian on Sunday morning, um, but then go into the world's way, you know, the rest of our lives. You know, the Lord made it really clear that he gives people with different talents. They, he puts them in different times and he expects a return um, for those talents that he gave you. And uh, as Christians and as believers, um, we need to uh, use those talents to bring his kingdom here on earth. And uh, we need to let people know that, you know, work is a way of our reflecting uh, the creator. So, you know, in Genesis, we learn about God. And the first thing he did was create right? And so he worked, and then he rested. Um, and so whenever we're working, uh, to me, that's a reflection of God in us, and uh, what he created us to be. And uh, not that rest is bad. Um, but when we live in a culture that rejects work that goes after, you know, lottery winners, let's look at lottery winners, they have high suicide rates, they have high bankruptcy rates, you know, you think, oh, I just, if I could just win $10 million, my life would be better. And they're miserable. The number of lottery winners who said, I wish I had thrown that lotto ticket out is incredible when you think about like, hey, if I just had this amount of money. And it's because that's a rejection of work. That's a rejection of who we are created to be. And so I think when, um, especially in education, because education is work, right? It takes time to learn the periodic table. It takes time to be a master pianist. It takes time to memorize your multiplication tables. It takes time to learn uh you know where to put your commas and periods and 
um, you know, what an adverb is and what a noun is and pronoun is like, it takes work. Uh, but as a student, um, if they know that that work that they're putting in is a reflection of the creator, um, then uh, that makes it a little bit easier and makes it a little bit uh, uh, more worshipful. So if, if you're obedient, you're being worshipful. And so to me, uh, work education um, is a part of our obedience uh, to our creator. And it brings such purpose to everything that we're doing. And like right now, you can see that the society is really stripping away identity, stripping away purpose, stripping away even that opportunity to work hard and to, you know, build resiliency and to build, you know, that 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 muscle where we do hard things, where we're not going to die if we stress a little bit, you know, where, you know, a person's a little bit stressed out now they're on some type of, you know, medication like, oh, no, you mm -hmm. shouldn't be feeling any any stress. That's that's just not life. You know, we we get stronger through stress, right? Like who goes to the gym and doesn't have pain? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the whole point is, yeah, you, you're working out your muscles, you're stressing them, and then you rest and they get bigger and stronger and you get healthier. So um, it's a natural part of life. And yeah, we have a lot of uh, ills in our society. And, you know, my personal opinion is when you reject the creator um, and when you reject how he created things, it's uh, not going to be surprised, uh, especially it really hurts our, our young children because, you know, they recognize that there's truth and beauty and goodness in this world, and they want someone to show them how to um, find it. Um, but when we have uh, a system that tells them that those things don't exist and it's their own truth, like they recognize that chaos in life a lot more than uh, what we do as adults. So, I, I, yeah, I see a lot of life's harms um, and uh, negative things going on in society because we've rejected this truth. You know, you have the wisdom of like a, a person who's lived a, a, a full life twice over. And it has to be because of the way your mom, you know, raised you through homeschooling and everything. And I would love to just learn a little bit about how she began classical conversations and, you know, what that what that looked like for you while you were growing up in um, under her tutorage. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like most of those homeschoolers at the beginning, um, you know, we we're just going to the library and trying to find books and just living life together and knowing that education was important because, you know, we recognized that my mom was sacrificing, uh, you know, time, you know, everyone else's parents were working and she was staying home and, and homeschooling us. And so we didn't necessarily start with the classical education uh, for myself being the oldest. Uh, but she discovered it along the way, and it made a lot of sense to her. And then when I was getting into high school, a lot of my friends who were homeschoolers uh, were thinking about sending their kids to private school or public school, because how are you going to get into college? And, you know, how are you going to teach these harder subjects? And same questions families have today. And so my mom said, hey, if I start a, a community, we'll meet once a week, and uh, I'll help help you homeschool your children and uh, you know, put together the curriculum and will you stay in homeschool? So we had uh, 11 families uh, come to an information meeting in our house and uh, uh, 10 of them decided to join us. So there was 11 students that first year in 1997 in our basement in uh, Winston-Salem, just at the end of the cul-de-sac, just a just small little house and uh, the Lord blessed it. And the next year, you know, uh, all the students wanted to come back and their families wanted them to come back. And her little like 12 
pages of uh, curriculum that she had put together along with like the books and materials. She gave that to another mom. And so that mom started a second group and she went uh, with us for our first group and uh, just, uh, you know, had three or four groups going a couple years later. And then uh, three or four years later, there was about a 300 person waiting list. So that's when uh, my mom called me. I was in college at Clemson University and uh, as a sophomore, she said, uh, Robert, uh, we're not uh, paying for college anymore. You got to pay for it yourself. Uh, your dad just quit his job as an aerospace engineer. And uh, I'm going to try to make classical conversations a real organization. So good luck. <laughs> so that was uh, that was when I found out about classical conversations. Um, and then my parents just bootstrapped it uh, and uh, more and more families joined and went from North Carolina to Virginia to South Carolina and Georgia and just kind of spread out uh, across the United States um, over the next decade. And, uh, you know, now uh, I think we're in 52 countries now. So all over the world. Your mom sounds like a spunky woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she is uh, she's got a lot of energy. And she's got a lot of uh, wonderful ideas and she's always she's always worked since she was like eight or nine years old. Um, she uh, she's worked. So it's just something that's in her blood and she just can really inspire people to look beyond uh, their limitations to um, something greater. And so yeah, she's a wonderful woman and an inspiration to hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she absolutely is. I mean, she went from an idea of like, wow, and, 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 and she did Avoda. Like that was, that was the purpose. That was her onset. And it's amazing that so many years later, you pulled that word and you found it. And mm -hmm. it represents exactly how she started it. It was work and service and it was worship unto the Lord. And now from 11 people, <laughs> 11 students to 140, it really makes me emotional. I'm sitting here like crying a little bit because I can, can feel it in my heart. The just, you know, the, the work and the strength behind it and the beauty behind it. I think it's fantastic. So as we're wrapping up, where can people connect with you guys? Where can they be able to find your resources and be able to learn more about classical conversations? Yeah, I mean, our website, classicalconversations.com is a great resource. Uh, we have our Facebook page. You can look up classical conversations. And then we have a really active Instagram account uh, where we have other parents that are homeschooling with our program. We have them on there often in the stories talking about their experience in our programs and things that work for them and things that they wish that they had done better. So you can hear it uh, straight from our customers and uh, they'll give you a great insight into our products. And you can look at our books at classicalconversationsbooks.com. And uh, so those would be the main areas I would go, but yeah, just search classical conversations and uh, we'll be popping up. So one last question, if, if there's one thing you want to leave parents with, one big takeaway from today's conversation, what would you want them to walk away with? Yeah, I would just say take the plunge. Uh, you're good enough, you're smart enough, uh, you love your children enough um, that uh, you don't need to be afraid uh, that uh, you got this and uh, whether it's classical conversations or any of the other support organizations out there, um, there's a whole host of people who want to uh, 
help you be successful uh, educating your kids uh, because we know that's best for your family, that's best for your community, and that's ultimately best for society, our nation, and our world. So uh, you can do it, and we, we're here to help. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining us today and just you know sharing your wisdom, sharing your testimony, and your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you love the conversations we're having here on the Homeschool Advantage podcast, follow or subscribe our podcast to stay in the loop and never miss this amazing content. And please highly consider taking a minute to leave a positive rating and review to help others like you discover this show. See you next time.